Dodgers are about to fucking dominate, though, right? They're trading for Scherzer. And, oh, uh, are the Dodgers getting Scherzer? They're getting Scherzer. Jesus Christ. And, like, some other good shorts. Like, Nationals are just trading away their boys, yeah. I guess. Wow. Well, you know, sports talk yeah. uh, corner of extended clip, usually off mic, just bleeding in. Just bleeding yeah. into this week's Sorry. after hours. I know <laughs> all of you art house goons were ready to listen to a discussion about Ho Shao Shen, but we're going to talk about the Dodgers. <laughs> the Dodgers. No. Um, we actually we did an episode a few weeks ago that JT picked out that this would have fit right in with uh, in another country. I think it was like episode 100 and I don't know 14 or so where we talked about filmmakers going outside of their home turf to make a film, and this was the first film outside of Taiwan that Ho Shao Shen made. He made two films outside of Taiwan. This one, and he made another one with the French title that actually was in France. This one just has the Frenchy name. I was going to be like, <laughs> was this movie actually in France? <laughs> no. Then it would mean you weren't paying attention. <laughs> no, well, I, I obviously, well, uh, yeah, it was, it was a bad joke. It was whatever. No. You thought it was in France. Or, or why well, I wasn't Come paying clean attention. Malcolm. Yeah. yeah. I didn't watch clean the movie, Malcolm. guys. I've been, it's yeah. okay. Can Malcolm. you guys can just can you guys take over the episode? Logging this on Letterboxd <laughs> without seeing it. Ho Shao Shen's beautiful portrait of Paris. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. I, Reminiscent like... of the Lumiere's <laughs> earliest films. <laughs> wow, <Well>, yeah. <that's... laughs> I was drinking my cafe while watching this. And a lot occurred to me. He really is one of the French masters. Uh. Sounds Lumiere. like a classic Comparing Malcolm review. It's <laughs> very much like the Lumiere. <laughs> that is true. That is my review. I I just stop writing. Um, <laughs> yeah, Malcolm really does not. Like, you weren't even logging these movies this week on Letterboxd, did we'll you? Get, we'll get them in. We'll get them in. <laughs> we'll get them in. It's a diary. It's, it's, you don't have to do it on the exact day. Well, that's kind of usually how a diary works, is at least at the end of the day. I don't know. That's so man. many rigid <laughs> rules. Did Eddie. you pay attention in three women? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't want to do it how she was doing it. She's kind of weird. Then you're gonna have Scott reading your diary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Random side note of people we don't know. Sam. Sam. Remember you met Sam once. He's an yeah. extra on the new Spielberg movie, and he's really? talking to Spielberg on set. What? How As an the, extra? Yeah. I don't know how the fuck this happened. But that's right. crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Speaking of more people that I've met at Malcolm's house. (laughs) Uh, So, Ho Shao Shen's first film outside of Taiwan is set in 2003 in Tokyo. But like his Taiwanese period films, uh, the past and present are always kind of in exchange uh, with one another. As this one was made for Shochiku to celebrate uh, Ozu's 100th. not birthday, but the 100th anniversary of his birth. And it's kind of like right from the start, you see that Shochiku logo, and it's like, oh, I'm in for something a little different than I'm used to from Ho Shao Shen. Yeah, that was kind of why I picked this, because, I mean, I feel like Ho Shao Shen's general style style is not... (laughs) I can retake that (laughs) if if it's too close to... That was Something. honestly our fault. JT's just watching fucking Lost in Translation. Just, just like, all right, how can I be funny? How can I be funny about this Japanese movie? This is all going in the can. Um, is it? We'll see. But I think that Ho Shao Shen's general style is not dissimilar to Ozu's, where it's like kind of. 
uh, sparse. I mean, a little bit more abstracted than Ozu usually goes. And I was curious, like, what his tribute would look like. And I mean, I also thought it would. It's like interesting for like a Chinese filmmaker to like make a movie like set in Japan because of the complicated history there. Mm-hmm. And I know that in like. Um, in three times, I think he touches on that a little bit in like one of those stories. So I was curious, like, what he would bring to the table with this, and uh, I don't know, pretty much like what you would anticipate. But I don't think that's like a bad thing. I think it's um, um, a pretty mellow film. It took me a while to get into it and like sort of match its vibe at first, but I don't know. The more I thought about it and was sitting with it, the more I uh, it grew on me. This one also took me a while to get on board, but not because of the film, uh, because there was construction going on right outside while I was watching it early in the morning, and the 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 big pile driver looking thing was just being like stabbed into the ground, and our house was shaking, uh, like <laughs> the reverberations were like shaking the house. My TV was kind of shaking, and even though watching it on headphones, I could still kind of hear the construction. But despite all of that, I think it's kind of a great. A triumph of mine that I was able to concentrate I, on I'm a Ho Shao Shen film while my house was shaking from construction <laughs> nearby. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, it is like JT said, it did take me uh, a while to kind of adapt to its kind of pace because it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's slower than real life, but like mm-hmm. in, in like, uh, I don't know, I, I love like kind of the focus on composition it's kind of like when you kind of slow down a movie that much it's almost like kind of there's different goals Mm -hmm. here than like a normal movie and like i you know it like even before i kind of was fully on you know what it was doing i guess it's like i'm just like all right my way and i'm just going to appreciate kind of like the complex compositions he's uh you know putting together here and and i think they kind of i don't know it kind of compounds in a way and whether it's just me getting more on the wavelength or the movie getting better. Sometimes it's hard to tell, but it's, it's just like, uh, I don't know. It kind of, that momentum kind of builds up in, you know, not in a way you traditionally think of momentum, but you know, in a unique way. Mm-hmm. I think like to directly compare Ozu and Ho Shao Shen in something that like emerges in this in particular, uh, is just like it being alienated by capitalist modernity. And that's like obviously present in both of their work a whole lot. But there that I think really comes to the forefront with like the fetishization of like train shit here and just how like you get a sense of like these big like interconnected like grids like um, set against like a story where it's pretty sparse and mm-hmm. like the what would normally in like a, in a more melodramatic movie like there would be a lot of talking about the issue at hand and here like. There's this sense of like deep like interconnectedness of society with like all these train networks, but like no one is fucking talking about like their issues. Yeah. Um, so to really like set up the narrative, the protagonist Yoko is researching the life of a Taiwanese composer. Uh, and meanwhile, she also reveals to her parents that she is pregnant via her Taiwanese boyfriend. And so while she's kind of dealing with how she's going to adapt and how her family is going to adapt to this next stage of her life, 
Uh, she's also doing this continual research and she employs the help of this bookstore clerk, uh, Hajime, who she tries to like help find this cafe that the composer used to like after he tells her kind of this legend of the composer sitting in the cafe, listening to albums, uh, reading sheet music, stuff like that. But then we get a little glimpse into his life too. This guy is just one of the great train guys in cinema history. He rides the train uh, all the live long day when he's not working at the fucking bookstore. And he's just got his little mobile recorder and his microphone. And he's just recording the sounds of trains and just collecting the sounds of trains and also making digital train art, such as the train Mm -hmm. womb that we see at one point where he's represented in a fetus or as a fetus surrounded by trains. Built by the trains. Those are his streets. so sick. (laughs) It is like, you know what? And like the way, like... Now that you put it like that, it is it's kind of funnier. Yeah. Like to, no, that dude was killing me the whole yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, like and I mean the train I mean the train art scene where you see the computer, that kind yeah. of obviously puts it all into perspective how much this guy really loves trains. But yeah, it it does kind of like it, it like for a movie where it's like, you know, Yoko who's just kind of like not talking about her problems, avoiding her problems, you know, just kind of uh avoiding people in her life and like here you have this you know this train guy and he's just you know he's he's into you know that and like it just it it like these two aspects just have some interesting things that come along with it like i love that scene where she's like you know calling off plans on the phone you get like this scene of like uh this shot i should i guess of like you know the kind of like the trains you know whizzing by and like it all the ways it kind of finds to frame trains, you know, very creatively and kind of going off that idea was talking about, you know, with, uh, we got all these people on trains and we're all interconnected, but, you know, I mean, I still don't want to, you know, tell any of these people about my problems, you know what I mean? I'd rather just record and listen to the sounds and enjoy the train atmosphere. I mean, I feel like the train art is like such a, like, obviously like really apparent, but like funny visualization of that, like just a womb just covered with tracks, like Mm -hmm. you're stuck like a little baby. And it's also just a great symbol of the alienation that's represented in this movie. I mean, this movie takes place in modern day, or at the time, modern day Tokyo. It's like one of the great metropolises in the world, but it's like you never see that many people. Like, There's a few wide shots where you see a lot of people, and there's shots on the train where you see a lot of people, but you see them passing by so quickly. And, you know, if you're not looking at Yoko, you're kind of like in her perspective or near her, because Hoshashen will also frame things around her where you just see like the side of her face on the edge of the frame Mm -hmm. for a little bit. Like one time where she's on the phone at her house and, She's, you know, so many of the scenes in this film are played in one long take through a doorway like this one where she's on the phone and you just never even see her full body. She's just always edging right out of the doorway into the frame and then back out. And it's just, I don't know, that isolation and loneliness and alienation within such a dense, incredible city is so well portrayed by Ho Shen here. One frame I really love is like it's Yoko like at the cafe um, and she's like talking and like you can see a bunch of like there's a bunch of like sort of negative space like off Mm. to the left of her and you see like a window in the cafe and like it's really fogged up and you can see like the movement of people but they're just still like obscured and I love like you so many 
like masses and crowds are just like obscured like that. Like, especially with what you were saying, like with people on trains, like towards the end there, when you get just trains whizzing past and you get these like vaguely human shapes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. There's also one shot that really blew me away when, you know, she's at her parents' house, her, her stepmom and father. And the, there's a shot that's like the first one that really feels like, oh, we're watching an Ozu tribute movie because her, her parents' house is set up in that classic uh, tatami level fashion where it's like the, the camera is at that level too, that low level shot. And you just see it peering in uh, through a hallway into like two separate rooms pretty much. But the right end of the frame uh, is kind of reflecting outside and you see her pull up in a car. Uh, and I don't know, it's just like that classic ozu type shot kind of interrupted by the modernity of like playing off the reflection of the glass window or whatever uh as they come in and playing it in in like excruciatingly long take fashion uh just making it all the more self-aware but also all the more just kind of blissful when you let it kind of wash over in that way it's yeah i don't know especially the trains toward the end and like it's even set up in the beginning when she's riding the train and she's just like fixing her stopwatch to be aligned with the train conductor, uh, like his watch up front. I was like, okay, this movie's going to be weird and crazy. And like <laughs> that, that image even kind of reminded me of a film that would come out a decade later. Kylie blues, the, uh, debut by be gone where there's just like a guy riding a train with clocks going crazy, uh, faded over him and stuff like that. And, I don't know, the sense of time and movement through a crowded space full of people that you don't make contact with is really well symbolized by people just riding the train all day. Yeah, the, I mean, like another shot that comes to mind, because like I feel like when you talk about this movie, it's like a lot of long takes, you know, it's, you know stagnant to you know, a certain extent. There's some movement, of course, but, you know, like... You kind of have to talk about like, oh, yeah, there's just like this one composition Mm -hmm. and like it's I don't know. It's interesting. It's a very different type of narrative style where you feel like certain aspects are like instead of like a sequence or a scene or whatever, you're getting it all in like a shot. But like, uh, you know, to kind of speak of like walking around and alienation, like this is kind of like a minor note, but like there's just like a a shot where like um, Yoko and I think maybe the bookstore owner kind of just walk out in the street and like you kind of just see like these cars kind of like swarm around them as they kind of stand Mm -hmm. on the street corner and like just like the framing there is like yeah like you said a lot of people zooming around you but you're not you know you're not you're not stopping to say hello like you would your neighbor (laughs) it's like (laughs) weird to get like something that's like kind of an ozu riff without like the like cathartic emotional release to it i mean like obviously we talked a lot about like how generally like alienating the film is but i mean there's still like really like great like tranquil beauty that Mm -hmm. i think is like present in ozu's stuff in one of the shots where it's like yoko going like on the trains the camera moves up and i think like focuses a long time on like the tree sort of like i mean Mm -hmm. not a long time but like holds just a little bit on like the tree swaying in the breeze. Oh yeah, when it's shooting from across the street when she's yeah. at the trains outside the train station kind of. Yeah, she's just framed by these out of focus, you know, branches or leaves or whatever greenery is in front of the camera in the foreground kind of. And yeah, stuff like that. I don't know, he's just always playing with 
different ways to frame the character with foreground and background and yeah the the cafe with the totally blown out windows and totally vague sense of people passing by outside is great too and there's one shot on the train where you see another train coming the opposite way and you're shooting he's shooting across the platform and it's just this great blur for like 25 seconds it feels like and uh yeah i don't know i can't say enough about the you know visual accomplishment of this movie um, the first scene with the bookstore guy, like it, it, it is like pretty vague the way it plays out to start. She's just like asking this guy for info on this composer and, you know, you get this dog in the background who's very excited and I don't know, it's just all these kind of little things. And then, you know, the next scene you get that shot I described with her car pulling up to the parents' house and then it just stays in that shot as they talk, uh, and you know, whatever the reverse is when both of the parents have left the room. It's just her laying there with the cat wandering around the room. And that shot lasts like two minutes almost. And the the slowness kind of, I don't know, just obviously forces you to think about both the scenario and the aesthetic achievement. But it's also just nice to luxuriate in. Yeah, I feel like it flows from like moods like pretty smoothly. Like at points in this, it's like definitely like, I don't know, just like pretty miserable, like seeing the dad sort of react to the news and just like him be like stonewalled, like silent that his like daughter's pregnant. It's like, oh, well, what are we going to do? Like, we're like, we're going to like get pension soon. And like, uh, she doesn't want to marry this guy. And he's just like fucking like shutting up and just staring out the, the window and just not saying anything at all. But then it will like float into like, I don't know, having that type of stillness be more calm and, like, beautiful. I also really like the one scene where it's just uh, Yoko with her parents eating noodles and they're shot from behind. It's just the backs of their heads. Uh, and that's the whole scene is just the one shot of their back of their heads. And you just hear the audio of them slurping noodles <laughs> for, like, a minute and a half. No, yeah, I feel like a lot of, like, one one visual trick he has in his bag is, like, just not revealing something or like, you know, being selectively revealing like in the beginning, you know, there's like a shot with like a character, you know, on the phone or whatever. And, and there's someone who has, you know, just come home and the, like, you know, you don't really get that review of the person who came home, but like, um, you know, on like the right side of the screen, but you know, the character on the phone, like goes to the, like the left side of the screen to grab something and the camera follows them to like, as they grab it and kind of like the selective removal of their person kind of like yeah i think i think it is like like there's you know kind of like a even though she's hanging out with people it's kind of like about living a chill lonely life in the city you know what i mean sometimes that's cool you're walking through the park it looks nice you know go hang out with your parents but uh you know, and sometimes it's, uh, you know, there's other consequences to that that, uh, you know, don't feel so good. I feel like you mentioned directors having bag bags of tricks, like yeah. fairly. Let's a Malcolm thing. And you, and you also <laughs> say one for one. One for one. Let's get all the one, no, of no, one. I'm not one like of one of one, one of, no, one, yeah. of one. Okay, yeah. yeah. The, I'm not. It's not a. No, it's yeah. not a bad thing. I like those isms. No, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Let, let's let's spot them out. <laughs> all the fans, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> if you've ever experienced a Malcolmism. And you want to tell us about it, just write in, you know, or just DM him on Twitter. I'm sure he'll uh, like it. <laughs> <laughs> right in. We need material on the show. 
But you were saying how the camera, you know, followed an object, followed a character. I, I feel like, you know, the camera's so still for most of this that whenever it does move at That's all, true. it feels like such a shock. And there's one moment where Yoko is taking a picture of this building and then, you know, she's like looking up at it, shooting vertically. And so uh, Ho Shao Shen like pans up to kind of match that. But then a tree branch like hits the camera almost like it's like the top third of the frame is then like a tree branch. It's clearly that's not what she's shooting, but I don't know. You just find different types of beauty, not following characters and action in a traditional way. And you know, there's nothing traditional about Ho Shao Shen movies. I'll tell you that they're, they're freaking out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you make a Ozu tribute, but it's, you know, it's, it's in the city, you know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like a Ho Shao Shen, you know, it looks yeah. like yeah. a Taiwanese Ho Shao Shen movie other than the signposts that make it clearly set in Japan. Like he's using, you know, a usual cinematographer, the dude, um, Mark Lee Ping Bing, who's done like nine of his movies and a couple Wong Kar Wai's. And I was looking at his cards. He also shot Wing Chun, the Lao Kar Lung uh, martial arts mm. film. One of my favorite martial arts films. So shout out to uh, yeah. Mark Lee Ping Bing. Need to look into more. Of Speaking his work. of cinematographers, we were talking about the, the cinematographer for the Choi Hark movie that we talked about on the main feed. Uh, all of his like earliest credits as like a DP or cinematographer are all like pinkus. Like right after, oh the, hell yeah, right after the handover, he was like, "I'm out of here. I'm going to Japan to shoot dirty movies." <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess the money dried up uh, after you know Pinku kind of died out, and they were also just doing shitty video, I guess. And he was like, "All right." I'll see if Choi Hark will hire me, and uh, he did. He shot a couple late-period Choi Hark movies, too. Well, I was really, bringing up Pinku, I was really torn uh, between choosing this Ozu tribute and the Ozu, like, uh, <laughs> porn parody <laughs> one. And that one, I don't know, I feel like that one's more dependent on, like, I don't know, really being deep in the weeds with Ozu, because those are, like, more, like, character types yeah. that he's doing there. And, uh, but... We'll talk about that one day for sure. Well, I mean, hey, look, there's no hardcore or softcore sex in this movie, but if you get off to just the implication that someone has had sex before... <laughs> or someone's pregnant? That's true. Oh, man, that shit's that pretty hot. Be, yeah, it could be a fetishist of pregnancy, trains, trains. <laughs> cafes, Motive. whatever your yeah. thing is. There, there's something in this movie for you. Travel trains. All right, I think we have exhausted ourselves uh, uh, on this <laughs> ま、